morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacks' Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. I'm a light mole, as usual, all day, every day, yeah. We are back at it again. Ooh, in news, um, Potter Paper has been released from prison. Who? Who? <laughs> Potter. Potter Paper? Potter Paper. Is that... Um... He's a UK rapper. Oh. oh I thought I thought that was the... Ah, what's that? Smyrna dance, whatever. Oh, Bobby Smyrna. Yeah, I thought we were nah. talking about him. Nah, bro. When we said pot of paper, I thought maybe it was someone who maybe hoarded a lot of toilet paper and got arrested for it or something. Yeah, pot of paper. It's actually quite decent, you know. Anyway, I, you know, I just need to let the streets know what's happening in the world. Which I to let the streets <laughs> know, you know. All right. Anyway, hi guys, mm. welcome to the podcast. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get into it. I think Peter's in the hot seat this week. Yes, sir. Let's go. All right. Mo, do you want to go first? Should I go first? Um, you can go first. Cool. Okay. So this is a question I think that came up in the conversation ages ago. Mm. And I don't think we got an answer back then. So let's see if Peter can give an answer now. Interesting. So. Um, <laughs> bless you, Moses. <laughs> I don't so, know laughing. When Jesus was on the cross, dying for our sins, um, why did he ask God to forgive the people for they do not what they do not know what they do if he was going to die for the forgiveness anyway? Oh, okay. Oh, well, I, I, I'm surprised this has come up before because I can't remember it coming up. It came up. It, it came up in the conversation about forgiveness and whether we needed to, mm. we needed to ask someone for forgiveness before you forgave them. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, I'm just, I haven't got any sort of framework to go off of. However, the the first thing that comes to mind is the idea or the fluidity of that situation. Even from the the Garden of Gethsemane and and Christ saying, you know, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. It was like there was a, there, there was a recognition of, it's like I've known, you know, I, I fully believe that from the moment that Christ was, you know, able to talk, he knew what his mission was. He had a recognition that he was going to die. It was evident, especially once his um, his ministry had started, that he had a recognition of that coming coming to be uh, the case. And yet in the garden, we see almost like um, it's one thing to know something's about to happen. It's another thing for it to be about to happen. And we see not not a different response, but a almost an acknowledgement of oh this is this this is the extent of what was going to happen. And I think in that in that situation or in that um, with that recognition on the cross as he as he hung there, it was important for him to to almost anticipate God's similar reaction, if that makes sense. No. To sorry. Okay, so <laughs> uh, so he had a reaction of once it was about to happen, being like, "Oh, this is about to happen, God. If this, if possible, let this cut pass." As he's hung, as he's hanging there, about to die, I imagine it's a similar situation where he's like, "Oh, I'm about to die. What what would God's immediate wrath be? Not not to say that he would turn away from it, but I think it's along those same lines of." the recognition of the weight of what was happening um 
and him almost reminding God, like, nah, it's cool. They don't know what they're doing. Don't give them any extra wrath. Not that God would do it, but I think, I think, um, <laughs> it was like no extra wrath, like. no extra wrath, like you know. But they're gonna need but, to be reminded if, if he's God, and, that, and, like, that, and like you yeah. know what's happening. Well, so that's the thing is, I, I don't think it was. I don't think it's necessarily that God would forget, but I think it's a recognition of the situation in the same way as was was Christ not going to do what he was going to do if that makes sense but he prayed and and so it's uh it's a thing of i think in that moment he he recognized that uh, and it was just it was just the weight it was just the weight of the situation i imagine that caused him to to say that and the earth shook like why did the earth shake like there there was a response from god if that makes sense like the 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 veil was torn there was a response to the sense of one of the roman soldiers then saying oh this must have been the son of god like I think there's an acknowledgement of the emotion and the feeling and the realness of the son becoming death or becoming sin and dying and being separated that I think warranted the mention, even if it was that this has been the plan all along. And we know God's not going to deviate from the plan, but I think it's, there's, there's, a, there's a recognition there. I also think it's for the benefit of those that were there um to 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 see mercy exhibited in the most atrocious of situations or, or in in the, in the most undeserving of situations like they didn't deserve to be prayed for they didn't deserve to be to have forgiveness asked for them but i think it's testimony of mercy of the extreme mercy that led christ to the cross anyway you know that he, whilst dying at their hands for them, would then ask again, forgive them for they know not what they do. So I think it's those two things, um, a recognition of what it is once you're facing it and a display of mercy. But again, like I said, uh, I'm just thinking through this now and I, I might go and read the Bible and be completely heretic, but we will see. You're your heretic, would... so... Stress. Um... I would have also lent on the reality that not all of them were actually going to believe in Jesus. Mm. And so it's very much like, so if you believed in him, then in essence, you're, you're going to be forgiven of that sin anyways. But if you don't believe in him, it's peak for you. Hard, like arguably, not arguably, the crucifixion of Jesus was the greatest sin ever committed. You killed God. Mm. Like you crucified God. Mm. Um, and so it's a case in which, so I, I would have added that onto it, but I think you've, you've, you've done a good job. I would have added that onto it just from a salvation point of view. Um, mm. But not that it takes away or potentially adds anything to it, but that's just the angle that my mind went towards. Mm. Um, yeah. So my question hey, is, Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't oh, know if I'll be happy. I don't I, care if it's happy. I'm just asking. You better care if I'm happy. Don't sound like a disgruntled girlfriend. Gosh. Oh, are you happy? Pity. I haven't got time for you today, PR. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. Don't sound like a disgruntled girlfriend. I'm just I'm saying. Happy. Let's go. Cool. don't know what kind of girlfriend you've had. Ain't no disgruntled babes around here. <laughs> 
<sighs> yeah, um, I'm happy. Okay. Let's go. All right. So mine is um so we see in towards before Jesus gets betrayed. Mm. Um I think it's before Jesus gets betrayed. He when he was praying. Yeah. Or not, he was talking to put Peter. Mm. And Jesus says to Peter Satan wanted to sift you like wheat, but I oh, yeah. prayed for you. Mm. And like, once you've come back to yourself almost, then um, like, um, speak to your brothers mm. and like reaffirm them and stuff. I think we've mentioned this question before. Mine is with Jesus praying for Peter and not praying for Judas, mm. did he kind of abandon him to be used and utilized and which then led to him like feeling bad and hanging himself and all of them things there me personally believing that he's currently like sizzling in hell mm. um but it was almost like that chain of events where i was on peter's side jesus was like not nah, praying for him. yeah yeah so a few things come to mind some people have said Oh, I've heard it. I've heard the argument that it is the prayer that made a difference between the two guys. Um, that's not that far fetched an idea. Uh, but I've also heard um, favor isn't fair. Favor isn't fair, and that say it again. <laughs> God's favor isn't fair, you know, and and he 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 shines his or he gives his favor to whom he pleases. Now, I do think that there are elements of god's foreknowledge and 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 his uh sovereignty to choose who he gives his favor on but also his understanding of people's hearts towards him and i'd make the argument that peter's heart towards christ or towards god was different than judas's heart towards christ because from the beginning judas was stealing from the money bag even though he was having it like he was one of the disciples but from jump we know that he kind of had issues um there's also well well, yeah but he had he he he, i i think if i am if i'm a disciple of the christ and you know even if it wasn't his revelation peter had a revelation that you are the son of god you know um and, and that was going to be the rock and you have an understanding of who this teacher is and you're still stealing from the money back it's it's a different kind of issue do you get what i mean some yeah. have made the argument that judas might have very well been just a undercover spying like one of the one of the disciples but from jump trying to find a way to bring him down because um i think uh, the argument was there were the Jewish rabbis. Obviously, they expected a Messiah. They still, <laughs> they still expect a Messiah. Um, and then this guy has come as a Messiah. And I think one of the arguments was Judas could very well have been a spy planted in there or turned to sort of make sure this guy isn't the Messiah, if that makes sense, or, or to sabotage or whatever. Um, so I think I think that their hearts or the posture of their hearts was vastly different, and I think that's why. Um, Peter enjoys, or that's one of the reasons why Peter enjoys or benefits from God's favor in that Christ did pray for him and mm. Judas didn't. They both received warnings. They both received, like, they, it, it was made known to both of them that they were going to slip up. Mm. Judas, when he was putting his hand in the in the, in the super, 
<laughs> and then Christ is like, yeah, go and do what you have to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and Peter being told, yeah, the crow's going to, uh, cock, um, the, 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 the crow's going to, what, what, what do crows do? Not crow, that's why. The yeah, crow's going to roost. They're no, the, 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 the chicken, the rooster. It's <laughs> going to um, roost. Uh, I, I am it's butchering that word. It's, it's not roost. Is it crow? Yeah. I have forgotten English, but the the chicken's going to do that thing that they do in the mornings three times and by the there you go, perfect perfect rendition, um, and then you're going to have denied me. So they both got warnings that they were going to slip up, which in my in my opinion to be forewarned is to be forearmed. You know, if you've received a warning, you've been given a way out almost. Um, but and they both slipped though. They they both slipped, but the difference being Christ had pay, uh, prayed for Peter, and I think he enjoyed that favor partly because favor isn't fair and god chooses but also because um their heart postures or at least in my opinion their heart postures were vastly different in their service to christ and uh, you know like i said some people even make the argument that um judas was never really a, a part of them he was stealing from the person and eventually he's the one that turned christ so he could Don't very well just have been a plant sort of thing but i think one person one person was devoted and slipped which you know all of them had the issues like i said but the other person maybe wasn't as devoted or maybe didn't respect christ as much and Ooh. and we see that we see the difference in their outcomes but i think that prayer was significant and i think that prayer is by favor but also by their heart postures and their respect of their Lord sort of thing, I think. So you think that if Jesus had prayed for Judas, he would have had a change of heart and not done what he did? The, 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 the prayer wasn't necessarily that they don't slip. The prayer mm. was that once they do, they are, once Peter does, he's restored. Mm. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that they wouldn't slip, but I think... One of them clearly believed who he was and even received revelation of it. The other yeah. one clearly either didn't believe or didn't care. And his actions showed up until his ultimate betrayal of this person, if that makes sense. So it's, it's two very different people. And I think that warrants two very different responses. One being they got prayed for, the other one being well, they got hanged themselves and create the field of blood. So, yeah, I think... I think I'm happy with that. Um, mm. The distinction you made in terms of um, him. Um, so I, I like the initial argument in terms of <laughs> favor is not fair. Um, <laughs> it isn't. It really isn't. Um, but the reality as well, that was like almost a trajectory that both of them were heading towards was different. Yeah. Um, and with statements like Jesus saying, you can't serve both money and God. Mm. And us knowing that, like, fam, you're Jesus' treasurer mm. and you're stealing from the money box. It's mad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where even the woman, the woman who broke the alabaster jar, mm. it was Judas you, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like, you could have sold this for a year's wage. And it's like, how do you know? How did you have that price in your head already? Because that year's wage, you would have taken it a little you know, bit. like that. You could have sold it for a year's wage. You're ten percent off the court, top, you know. You, know that. Fam, you could have sold like... this, and you know, give me a little. And a give little a piece of money. And it was interesting because, out of all of his disciples, um, Judas got rebuked publicly. Mm. Peter got rebuked in front of the disciples, mm. and the sons of thunder got rebuked in, in front of the disciples as well. Mm. 
and th- those are like the only four that you really hear of getting rebuked. But it's like Judas's one was he, his rebuke was public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't jump. Judas was a was a was a pagan, to be honest. Mm. That's his part to play, though. Yeah, yeah. I do think had he repented, he would have been forgiven. That's that's the interesting thing for me. I do think had he repented, but I don't think it was a he was going to do that. To because when when he when he then even has a change of or when he then has like um a a a an epiphany that oh I've, I may have done something wrong he didn't say I have spilled innocent um I've spilled the savior's blood he just said I spilled innocent blood. innocent yeah so there was just like even up you until don't, that you point, don't recognize you didn't don't recognize, recognize who Christ was yeah so it's interesting you can't put it in your mouth yeah yeah cool. Are you happy with that, Moses? Yeah, I'm happy. Great. All right, let's get into today's episode. Mm. Today, we're going to have a serious conversation. You say a serious conversation. <laughs> serious conversation. I'm laughing. That's different. So, today is Father's Day. Done, oh, yeah. Happy Father's Day to you, fathers. Bang, bang. Thank first you. first bang, question. Do you think once you become fathers, that your parents should be wishing you Happy Father's Day as well? If they want to get wished happy Father's Day, yeah. <laughs> Man, nah, I'm not I'm showing joking. the respect you want me to show you. <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking. I, 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 I think, yeah. I mm. think, yes. Um, and I say yes because it's a recognition of your child stepping into the role. Mm. Stepping into the role of being a father. And so it's like, if I want to raise um, a good father... Which I do want to. I want my son to be a good father. I would, I would want to be like, Happy Father's Day. You're doing a good job. That's reaffirming what he's doing. If he's not doing a good job, I'd be like, Happy Father's Day. You're slacking, but Happy Father's Day. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I wanted to talk about the agenda against fathers in the world. Oh. Oh. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I just feel like. Fathers don't get the props, and they're made to be almost vilified in a way. And I feel mm. like because, and like I feel like because of that, um, it's it causes a negative feedback loop of guys not being given the props that maybe they should, and then so they not do what they're supposed to do. And then because they don't know what they're supposed to do, it, it becomes like a whole cycle of men not being good fathers and then... Um, they're living and so up forth. to that stereotype. Yeah. And it just reinforces it and then you just kind of keep... Noah, stop dropping the bottle on the floor, yeah? Yeah, and you can see it in different ways, like um, Father's Day can sometimes be hijacked by mothers. Single unin- mums. Single mums, unintentionally, unintentionally. Intentionally, um, I <laughs> Um, and like even like even on what even if you're watching TV, there are these stereotypes of dads being you know bumbling idiots for the most part, and you don't really see it the other way around. Like it's very rare you see like an incompetent mother in TV shows, unless she's like a crackhead and, and, and like that's <laughs> EastEnders. <laughs> so, what do you guys think about that? Do you think there's 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 an agenda against fathers? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and I think, I think the agenda against fathers is one that, and <sighs> I'm gonna go there. Funny, I'm gonna go there. Go there, it's Moses. One, yeah, it's one that 
is um, roots. Okay, my son's gonna start playing music. Is one that is rooted in a systemic erosion of a people group, mm. and so it's it's a case in which my son is just my um so reading books and um just getting clued up on history the um, the let the Willie Lynch letter how to make a slave their whole target was the men was the fathers was the head of the household that um make them a public make a public display of your power over them in such a way that will cause mothers to want to protect their sons by getting them not to be um, the dominant being, dominant person in the family. And so men then grow up knowing that there's not much expected of them, but women also grow up uh, recognizing that there's a lot expected of them. Systemically um, and historically, men have been um, put in position, men have been like removed from positions of power through different black men. Well, my wife, that black men have been removed from um, positions of power to reinforce certain stereotypes. So in America, back in the day, in um, in the American South, where like lynching and stuff was rife, when Northern America was starting to have their industrial revolution and they needed workers, there was a lot of migrants from Southern America who went to the Northern America to go work there. But that then meant that they had to leave the women there. And it was, it was a case of only men could get jobs. And so the men had to leave the families. And then now that created the issue of men not at home. And so children are now growing up, knowing that as soon as I grow older, I'm just going to have to go to the North. But with the men going to the North, there was an abundance of like alcohol and they had to live in like ghettos and shanty towns and stuff like that. And so they then started to form new households there just by virtue of the conditions they had to live in. And so, but th this is more so American history, but as a case in which, and I know that in America as well, there was a housing association that was built up that only single mothers could get into. So it's a case in which you had to, to get good housing, you had to let go of your man in order to get access to good housing. And that then reinforces the stereotype. And so people, families are now growing up where the male figure is absent. And it's just perpetuated. And even in terms of slavery with um, almost like the men and women are just being mated like bulls. And so like they'll get like a strong guy and make them with like 25 different women so that they can then produce strong slaves to kind of keep it propagated. And so from the black perspective, anyways, there has been a consistent. Um, I, I have seen historically a consistent uh, intention, intentionality around stripping or removing the male figure um, within the family. And I know as well that um, spiritually, the man is the head of the household. And so once you start to remove his responsibility and his position within the family, you leave the family open to a whole host of different things. And we know that the family is almost like the fabric or the building blocks of community. It's only in the family that we start to learn how we then operate within the wider community. We learn values and morals and stuff like that. And if there isn't a strong male figure, then it kind of just breaks the whole fabric of everything moving out. 
Do you think? Do you think, however, that that is the universal cause? Because this stereotype that um, Robert cited of the dad being the bumbling idiot and and the mom being like the more serious caretaker, mm-hmm. I I see that all over. Like I I don't see that just with the black community. I see it in white television programs. You know, see the I see it in the memes, and it's not that isn't restricted to the black community so do you think this is the is the universal cause of it or are you restricting your your so I'm, to I'm, restri- I'm restricting what i've just said in terms of the the black narrative so what i'm what i'm saying right now is, is specifically towards the black narrative all the examples that i have is towards the black narrative but i do recognize and you are true even like in pepper pig um family guy and stuff like that like pepper pig like like Daddy Pig is the one who's always like falling over. My reference Peppa Pig in Fam, a serious conversation. Know, like Peppa Pig, Daddy Pig is the, always the one who's like falling over, hurting himself, and Mummy Pig is the more responsible one. Family Guy, yes, whatever his name is, like he's always like trying to throw guns and them things there. But he's almost like the macho alpha male uh, airhead. Um, Same with Simpsons, Homer being Simpsons. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is that narrative, but I've seen. But the narrative that I, I speak from is specifically a black narrative and recognising the intentionality behind that. I haven't looked into, into the wider demographic and wider um, races and stuff, but I have seen um, through research and stuff, I have seen the intentionality around breaking the black um, family unit for the greater purposes of somebody else. Anything you want to say to that, Peter? No, I was saying for, for white blessings. Yes, for white blessings, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, In that conversation, yes, for white blessings. So so I, I I get that. And even the even the term like um I'm not gonna say the term here, but MFR, that term come from a similar practice where um, men were intentionally degraded, especially in the American slave times, and they were made to have, they were made to um, unwittingly have sex with their mothers um, and stuff like that to just propagate and, and breed and, and stuff like that. And they were treated like animals. Um, I think so. So I, I I get that aspect from the from the black perspective. I I wonder in, in today's society. And with that sort of um, that sort of stereotype of the dad being the playful, whatever, I wonder if that's on its own, not not including all of this intentional evil stuff, but if that on its own on its own is just a is is just a a manifestation of a relative truth, in that normally the mom is the one who is more acutely aware of some of the finer details because they're breastfeeding and they're they're more in tune with the baby's um what you know ongoings and and they're just more intuitive that way um with 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 babies and the dad comes in and you know he's he's helping but he has the luxury of you know playing around with baby and and having baby when baby's awake and you know all all, all of that thing so you know maybe he's helping to put baby to sleep but he doesn't have to breastfeed maybe he will give the bottle but again there's a, a mother has the the burden of being a bit more intimate with the child than the this father does just by nature 
And then you've also got the fact that the, the woman would maybe be at home, pretending to leave, the man would go back to work. And so it's almost, is that just a manifestation of, or a, 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 maybe a satire of an actual fact that the man, by virtue of what happens naturally, maybe isn't as in tune as a woman would be. I think, like, historically, it's been the man that had to be the breadwinner. So, like, if you're out working, then you're not going to be at home with the kids. And, like, back in the day, that was the reality for, like, 99.9% of people in marriages. Um, but um, as you come... I think let's not also forget that, to some extent, that's biblical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as um, women have been have, have gotten more independent, they've continued to do what they did as mothers, but just taken on the responsibility of earning money as well. Whereas for men, um, there hasn't been that call on them to step up like, okay, now you're not the sole person responsible for bringing the money. There's other stuff you can do with the children now as a result. And men aren't just, men haven't been brought up to that standard um and yeah so like so let's so just like from, from from like very early women like girls are taught how to be maternal like they play with dolls they play house all of that kind of stuff boys they don't do that and um it's not i don't say forced upon them but it's not they're not pushed in that direction and 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 so they grow up They'll go have all the babies that, that they can get and then decide, decide that they want to settle down. And so, um, yeah, guys just aren't, haven't been taught how to step up and be fathers. And a lot of the time are learning as they go along from when the baby's born. Mm. And so I think that's something that, that, like, that like need, needs to be changed. How you change that in the I- grand scheme of things. I, I was going to say, are you then suggesting that we should encourage more boys to play with dolls and Barbies? But because the, the reason the reason I say that so flippantly is um, I I wonder how many or how much of those skills they gain at that age is of much relevance when they grow older. Like we, you know, the playing with the trucks or playing with Ludo or, or, or playing with, in my case, taking stuff apart. I don't think that's influenced my taking care of my child. Me no, growing up and actually having to read books and study and, and actually be intentional about taking care of my child. That's what gave me that information. And I don't imagine that the playing with dolls and the all of that, I don't I don't I don't see those necessarily as contributing directly to a person's skills as a mother. I maybe think, not I think maybe not playing um, I was gonna say is I think the reality of um, as a, as a as a female as a girl child, you will you will often see your mother cooking, mother changing a nappy, mother doing this, and so, um, so for the most part, my nieces, when they're younger, when you when I've asked them, oh, so what do you want to be? Always, I want to be like mommy. I want to be mommy, because it's almost like they've seen that they look up to their moms and they've seen their moms doing stuff, but with the absence of a man. So even if the man is pre- like physically there, but is always working and so he's not actually in the house and he's not available, we're not necessarily seeing his presence or his role within the house. But, and I think that for me, I've recognised that 
especially my children, they learn from what they see me doing. And so as my daughter's watching me in terms of in my interactions with her mum, I'm hoping that she's learning, even if it's just instinctively, how a man ought to love a woman. Not necessarily it has to look like this, but these are some of the hallmarks of a good ma- of a good relationship. And so I think there's something about picking up things um, that are demonstrated within the household that then goes into shaping how um, parenthood and stuff is kind of perpetuated. So what you were saying in terms of men having to learn things for themselves and stuff, Robert, it's like my dad was my dad was about, but he was always focused on providing mm. and so physically he wasn't about in as much as I knew that my school fees was was paid for I had the uniform that I needed and stuff I didn't physically have a man in front of me to almost imitate his walk yeah. and as Paul, Paul was like um follow those who you see following Jesus and so there's a level of like imitation even as you grow into even as you grow into manhood I know that in Africa there are certain tribes who know as oh, there are certain tribes. Is it still on? Yes, it is. There are certain tribes that um, are like, all right, cool. When a man is, when a child is first born, for the first couple of years or whatever, the child belongs to the mum, and the mum will like take care of him, blah blah blah, this and that. But when the child is able to walk, is able to do set like certain milestone the guys take over and it's just like, it's our time to ra- turn him into a man. It's our time to like raise him and stuff. And I'm not saying that that's the best model everyone needs to follow that or whatever. It's just saying, it's recognizing that to raise a man, you need the presence of men. So it isn't just, um, it isn't just like the toys that they play with. And, I'll, and my argument was also that I believe that women or female children tend to play with more homely stuff just because they see their mum doing it. And so it's almost trying to imitate and be like mummy. So I know that Leia wanted a pushchair because her mummy was like pushing around in a pushchair. I would I would slightly push back on that by saying mm-hmm. like even if like a guy isn't around as much as the mum is, mm-hmm. there are things that like boy children can be exposed to. Yep. Such as yep. like so, 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 so like for example um, with my younger brother, I learned how to, um, I was like forever changing his nappies, you know, mm-hmm. and, but I feel like a lot of guys, they would, they would never have ch- changed, changed a nappy until they actually become fathers. Yeah. So, 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 so like there's those kind of, kind of things, like even learn how to cook. Like if there's a, like a girl child in the house, then the boys are less likely to know how to cook extensively because the mother from an African is, perspective. I yeah. Agree. From, yeah. From African perspective. Like, because there would be the expectation that, that the, the girl's, girl's going to kind of do the homely stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's stereotypically seen as, okay, that's, that's, the, that's, the, girl's, that's the girl's job. All right, you're yeah. the girl, you cook. Yeah. Um, and then guys would then have, to have, have the expectations of the woman that they be has to be able to cook. Yeah. Because that's what they've seen. That's what and, they've seen. And they haven't learned to do it for themselves. But I think, I think there's an element here of also recognising some of the root causes of that now with, with regards to stuff like cooking and stuff like that from an Af- african perspective i definitely hear you guys but then at the same time 
when you're going to, especially in an African perspective, when you're going to university or you're going to boarding school, there are elements of being able to cook and sustain yourself that you have to pick up. And so you have those opportunities to learn that's at those stages without having to wait till you get into marriage. However, I think we're talking about it almost to the, almost with a lack of recognition of the man's contribution that means they're not around. And I think that needs to be addressed because the traditional, I say traditional, but the more commonplace setup is that the man working and the woman at home, um, especially in those early years, maybe on paternity, like there is a, a reason why a man's paternity leave ends up being like two weeks and a woman ends up being a year. And I don't necessarily think it's sexist. I think it's practical because the man is at some point you still have to work you still think, have to provide for the household i don't think it's sexist but i also don't think it's practical i feel like if if like a husband was able to have more paternity leave it would alleviate a, a, a lot a lot of stress on the women so like they wouldn't have as much P, it um, certainly MS, would it certainly would it would also like, alleviate a lot of stress on the men but then the question is then who's going to pay like and, and, and again i'm saying the, the more commonplace setup and that's not the setup for everyone and that doesn't need to be the setup for everyone but I think these sort of things come into place for the majority so for the majority or statistically the majority will be that the man is able to then go out and then still make some money and then provide for the household and the woman's able to then contribute by also you know taking care and, and God gives her quite literally yeah, milk dispensary <laughs> milk <laughs> for the child that are actually better than any of the formula that our science has given us like i think there is an element of we're not we're not we're not appreciating the sacrifice that the man also has to make i think like just 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 my points to a close one of the things that i have actually been more thankful for or, or this situation one of the the silver linings for me is i've had a chance to stay at home and I'm working from home, but I've had a chance to bond with my daughter much more because I'm working from home. Now, under normal circumstances in our setup, Anita was on maternity leave. I had to go to work after, I think I took a couple of weeks extra for my holiday, but then I had to go back to work. Otherwise, the bills aren't going to get paid. We're going to get kicked out of the house. So there was an element of we both had to sacrifice. Anita was sacrificing her sleep. She was sacrificing her sanity, <laughs> taking care of a very active child. And, you know, to some extent, maybe it's less of a sacrifice, but I still had to go out and I still had to go and be able to make sure that we pay the bills. And I think there's the, there's a need for that to be appreciated. And maybe 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 more communication is required to, to let people know or to let kids know why that's not around. And then, Mo, you mentioned that, you know, your school fees and stuff would have been paid, but you mentioned it almost... My, almost like a, a side like a, mm. a side you get what I mean in that mm-hmm. well no those were actually still serious because otherwise you would have got you kicked know, out of- yeah I would have got kicked out of school like and the thing is it's like and for those who are listening some of you might not be Ghanaian some of you might be African um, it's a case in which like in Africa you, you pay for your school fees you, and you like, pay to go and study you know, you know <laughs> like that you pay for your school fees it, it was not, and we went to a private school and so our school and there was like me and my two sisters went to the same private school and like the money was it, it it was in the millions and that this was when I was still young 
just, it just was substantial. You, just to give a little bit of color, it's to the extent that if you haven't paid your school fees, the directors or someone will come around in the classroom, mention your name, you will stand up and be like, you owe school fees, go home. Mm. So, thank you, thank you, Anita. They'll beat you first. <laughs> Send you home. So, yeah. and, and it's not even your fault, but they will shame you in front of the whole class. And so it's like, and the thing is, from my from my dad's perspective, he's like the best thing he can give to his children is education. It's an educational foundation. And it's like with that, you can kind of do whatever you want to do, where whatever direction you want. And so for that, I am I am really grateful. And I think when I first when I was uh, after I got married and we were um, thinking about children and stuff. Actually, not even before that, after I became a Christian and I was really taking, like, just being relational very seriously, I really started to dislike the Western notion of work. And I say Western naively. The Western notion of work where is we spend more time at work to provide for, to provide for a house and a family that we barely see because we're spending all of that time at work. Um, whereas in the more traditional sense of working and stuff, and as Peter was saying and I was saying before, we would have like mothers take care of children until they're up to about a certain age. And then we'll have the children, the, like especially the male children, follow their fathers to work. So, so it, and it's not slave labor and nothing like that, but it's like, no, you're learning my trade. Like Jesus learned his father's trade. He was a carpenter because his father was a carpenter. Abraham used to take Isaac and Ishmael out, shepherds and them things there. It's like when, uh, for my honeymoon, we went to Morocco and we, we went to the souks, like the open food markets. And literally there were dads who were cobblers who were like making shoes with their children right beside them, making the shoes. And so there was a sense in which their father's presence was still there. They were still being fathered. Like it wasn't a case of daddy needs to go to work, but no, like it's, it's almost like an apprenticeship. It's almost like an apprenticeship where daddy is like, I'm spending this time with him. He's raising me. He's teaching me this craft. And for the most part, to my understanding, the women, the girl children will stay at home with the women. And then the male, the male children will kind of follow the fathers. And so I think my gripe is that I think society has been fashioned in such a way that it's like we leave home to go provide for home and then we don't get as much time to actually spend at home with the family that we're provided with and, and I, I personally disagree with that I dislike it I think I think the 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 not remedy but I think that it's true I think the the um, the mindset that needs to be adopted is even because for a lot of people that is necessary. Like they have to leave home, yeah. otherwise, they, you know, they, you know, you're, you're, you're stuck. However, yeah, we're in the situation we're in right yeah. now. You can't ha- really... ha- however, I think then you have to be intentional about the time that you do have, because yes. you're working nine to five, forty yeah. hours, fifty hours a week. You have still have time to spend, and if 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 you recognize that your time is limited, then you are intentional about spending it with your kids, um, and making sure that you still have a a significant impact on their lives. Cool. So, what do you think needs to be done for fathers to have a better image in in, in the world? What do you think it, is, it, it just is what it is, and we should just deal with it? I think I I think that all things start from home. It starts from here. It starts with you, and so. I, I can't I can't look to change the perception or the image of the father out there. I can only affect the image of 
the father that I am being. So I can only affect Zara's image of a father. And I think that's the that's the mindset we have to take. More men should look to be better fathers. And then what will happen is, or, or what the hope is, the bad image of a father will be false to a lot of kids. But they don't see that. They see a better father at home. And maybe that changes things. Maybe that changes things. But I think more important is making sure that those of us that recognize that there's a bad image of, of, of fatherhood strive to be a better image of fatherhood for yeah. our kids and yeah. then perpetuate it that way. I think, it that way. I think I agree. No, I think I do agree. I think um, essentially we need to be the change you want to see. And so if we want to see better fathers, then we need to be better fathers. If we think this is the best way to model fatherhood, then fam, model it. Um, th- there's a statement where it's like, a good leader um, is happy being an example. So it's very much like, I am, I'm not necessarily coming and bashing you over the head. And I believe for the most part, like Jesus called people to live as he did. He walked. He was the example. And some people are like, oh, Jesus was just a good man or just teaching us good man. No, that I'm not perpetuating that Jesus was God. And like bodily, uh, God, he was God, essentially. God the Son, human form, God incarnate. But it was a case in which he didn't, it wasn't particularly an imposition. There was a case in which he demonstrated. He walked and it wasn't just talk. He walked and he was like, this, this is the path. And we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I do feel as though if we want to demonstrate what being a good father, if we want to see good fathers, we need to be them. We can't tell somebody else to be a better father when we're continuing doing the same things that shouldn't be done. Um, so, yeah, I would say be, be the change that you want to see in the world. I think I'd also say that, yeah, guys do better. But I think if uh, mothers are spending ex- significantly more amount of time with um, the children, then when they are talking about fathers, it should be in as positive a way as possible. Because for the most part, um, the children's perspective will be shaped by what the mother says. I think, sorry, okay. um, Be if it's in a two-parent household or like if it's in like a single-parent household, um, yeah, the perspective of the child will be mainly molded by what the mother says, how the mother acts towards the father, that kind of thing. So I think it's important to just like pick up the guys when they do something good. Uh, I think, yeah, in, in as much as we should be the change we want to see, I think also, we, we, um, especially single mothers, and, and I say this recognizing that it is incredibly hard to be a single parent of a child. It is so hard. Like we've got, we've got one child. And, you know like i have mad respect mad empathy for single parents however i think a lot of that also comes from the the culture that almost expects if the father isn't around or you you almost we almost expect the mother to bad mouth the the, the dad and i think that doesn't help either. That doesn't help. I'll anything. say as well. I'll it's, say as well. It, I was, like, was going to say, Jesse, it's even worse when you actually do have a good man and he is trying, but then you're being salty, maybe because the relationship didn't work. Then it's, but then it's all on you because he's actually trying. I was just about to say, baby mums. I, I know. I, I knew you were gonna some say baby dads are waste, man. Like they're not on it. But baby mums, if 
if the baby dad is like, yo, like, I'm about, let me do this, and you're trying to move, you're trying to move different, and then you're trying to come on Father's Day talking about, I'm the mum, I'm the dad. Nah, B, you made, you made that decision yourself, yeah? Especially when they're trying to use the kid as some sort of pawn or weapon. <laughs> That's that's that's. How can you weaponize your wound? <laughs> little uh, alliteration there. Because the state pays for it. Hey. Yeah. Well. Pay slip. So I think I think I think there's 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 improvements to be made. The mothers and dads, but I can only speak to dads, and I can only speak to us being better, uh, and being the change that we want to see as. A and I I think my notion of change kind of comes into this as well where it's um like be the change you want to see but also educate and so it's making the resources available make if you are the resource making yourself available to have conversations with other dads blah 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 just kind of share from your experience if like you've read good books that have challenged you in different ways to be a better father then like making those resources like readily available so it's not only being like being a representation but also investing back into the community to then be able to elevate themselves so yes be the example but then make all the resources and stuff make make your example accessible or available that people can actually engage with um so yeah if they do want something to be able to learn from and stuff like that you've made it available cool okay and just before we round up, one last question to you fathers out there. What's one way you think you guys could be better fathers in this coming year? I think for me, I could definitely increase or extend my menu, the menu, my, my, my cooking skills. More, more diverse. At present, I can cook a limited amount, very limited amount. And obviously with, with baby around, that if I'm... If, for the stress of mom so that's probably going to be at least for me like a practical thing that I can do to, to help out I think for me I think for me this is more so on a on a spiritual level because you know you know how it is not all of us are just about feeding the belly man shall not live by bread alone you know like that no I'm joking um, praying with my children so it's a case in which, like, I pray for them and I pray for for my family and stuff, but being a lot more intentional about praying with them. Um, so, like, yeah, Leah says their prayers at night and stuff, but um, just taking them through one of them Pentecostal prayer, prayer sessions, just, like, clapping hands, just doing, doing the whole nine. Um, yeah, just praying with, praying with them. Um, I've been very intentional about them seeing me live out my faith but it just means that sometimes like my time with God is very much quiet time away from them. Um, but almost being intentional about bringing my entire family in on that. Um, even my wife, children, just bringing them in on that. And even my daughter who doesn't live with us, bringing her in on that as well. And just being like, this is a very like major part of me. So yeah, just bringing them into that and being intentional about that. Very nice. I think for me, have kids first. Then I'll be, then I have to get married first. Get married first. Have kids. Yeah, that's and that's then, not that's not what he's concerned about. You know what? That, <laughs> man's out here sowing seeds and that. Hey, God no. Hey, <laughs> man's potting plants. Anyway, 
Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Mm. <laughs> so in all the oats, fam. <laughs> all the oats. Hookups? <laughs> uh, yeah, happy Father's Yeah, so I think I'll go, I'll, I'll slide in first. Um, me and Peter's boy, so now you know him as well, uh, Robert Ayo, sent through an article um, about encouraging your children affirming their um, their gender biblically, even whilst they're young. Um, and regardless of whatever your take is in terms of gender, whatever, this and that, the article just made me a lot more mindful as to how I am going about affirming how and what God has made them, even from young. So yeah, that would be my hookup. It's from um, John Piper, Desiring God. It wasn't, John Piper didn't write it, but it's from Desiring God. Um and yeah the link will be in the descriptions and stuff if you're on insta the title of it will be there so you should be able to like google it and stuff um but yeah that would be mine cool so my my hookup is um i've actually just changed it last minute because mo made a really good point to share resources so this is a resource that helps with um baby sleep and just understanding baby sleep more so um than actually helping baby sleep um and it's called the gentle sleep book by sarah ockwell smith um it's, it's a good it's a good book for when you've got new babies and and you don't understand their their schedules it more so helps you accept what's going on um and and, and prove that you're not going crazy sort of thing so it's, it's, a, it's a good one yeah i'll throw a curveball in that as well in line with sleep patterns and stuff, an app, um, Huckleberry, um, it's been very good in terms of Noah's sleep pattern, which is my son. He's refused to have his last nap today, so he's going to be sleeping very early. He's currently whinging because um, he's tired. But yeah, Huckleberry just kind of helps you keep track of everything, really. Um, how often they like go to the toilet, uh, use the bathroom, poo, pee. Um, how often they're, they're sleeping, when they should go down to sleep, blah, blah, blah. App that kind of visually just helps you trace all of that. And it's been very helpful just being staying on top of it. Very good. Um, no, no children-based resources from me because I don't have the children. Um, what's my hookup? My hookup is a YouTube page, another YouTube page called Upper Room. Upper Room, it's a um, it's a YouTube channel devoted to like praise and worship, and they have like a lot of really good um, worship sets. They have like a service that they stream every day, actually. And yeah, they they they, they do like a lot of wavy music. It's more kind of contemporary, but still pretty grounded in the word. Really good stuff. So check it out. Man, said pretty grounded in the word. Um, so not entirely. Is oh, it, was, oh, no, oh no, no! It's enough that I can recommend it. <laughs> is it? Is it like reckless love of God? Um, um, no, 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 no. I might get some smoke for that, but I'm ready for it. Let's go. <laughs> cool. Um, shout to Root for the intro, outro music. Calvin Turner for the ordering me amazing logo. You can find us at Twitter at the Furnace UK. You can email us at tbsfurnace@hotmail.com. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash Blacks Furnace, no apostrophe, on all good podcasting websites and apps, Blacks Furnace with an apostrophe, on, on, your, on Instagram, TBS Furnace. Check us out, check us out. Yep, yep, yep. Moses killing it on Instagram. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm trying. Cons- I'm trying. Once again, happy fathers to all your fathers out there and fathers <coughs> to be. Um, yeah, I guess this is Blacksmith's finest signing out. Blah. Hadouken. <laughs>